Welcome back to the On Mission Together podcast. We're here with Bishop Ken Carter talking about his new book. My name is Jason DeMeo from We Are Curio, and I'll be hosting today. Bishop Carter, tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you for the conversation. Um, The book, uh, Embracing the Wideness, the title comes from a hymn, uh, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. Uh, And it really came from work uh, that I was doing along with many others uh, around the unity of the church uh, and especially uh, around uh, our relationships with gay and lesbian uh, men and women, people in the church, outside the church, but also how the church could be one and whole when people have very different perspectives. Uh, And it just sort of grew organically out of a lot of my experiences. Uh, And so uh, as the book began to come together, uh, I began to find myself in, um, find myself in settings where I would be asked to speak about this, uh, really invited to speak about this or answer questions about it. Uh, And so the book really has a number of chapters Uh, that had their origin in gatherings in Florida. For example, uh, I spoke to a group one evening at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Orlando of two to three hundred LGBTQ persons. Uh, And I used as a framework the Wesley hymn, uh, God hath bid all humankind, from the hymn Come Sinners to the Gospel Feast. And that talk was just about the grace of God how the grace of God is offered to all of us. And then I was asked to speak at, um, uh, with the clergy session in Leesburg, Florida, uh, right before the Florida laws changed about same-gender marriage. And so I reflected on Acts 15 and when the church had to make uh, an important decision about its understanding in the first century of circumcision, but it was a dramatic change in the life of the church. Uh, and comparing that time to this time. Uh, And then was asked to give a commencement address at Asbury Theological Seminary in Orlando, and I reflected on, again, the prodigal son parable. Uh, And I began to see that there was a connection between all of these teachings. Uh, And so that's really how the book came, uh, began to come together. That's exciting. Um, who would you say, when you're writing it, who's, who's the audience that you're looking at, that you're thinking, I'm writing this book for, for this person or this group of people? Right. Uh, I really think about a couple of people when I imagine someone beginning to read this book. And I really think people, adults, learn in order to solve a problem. That's typically why we want to learn something. So no one... It's rare that a person picks up a book just for no reason and starts reading it. And so I imagine that the person who's going to order this book or read this book uh, is pretty motivated to want to learn something about it. And so the first kind of person is a person who maybe has a very traditional Christian faith. And I would say I have a very traditional Christian faith. Uh, And they're trying to understand the scriptures in light, perhaps, of some relationships with LGBTQ persons. Sometimes people find... Uh, that those persons are within their families. They're their children or siblings or parents. Uh, And so they're just trying to hold together a traditional Christian faith in the scriptures and the creeds uh, with uh, relationships with people, people they love and who are part of their families or friendships. Uh, And so, uh, so the person who takes 
uh, Christian faith seriously. And this book takes Christian faith seriously. It talks about the teachings of Paul, the, te the parables of Jesus, uh, the creeds, the Wesley hymns, the tradition. Uh, so that's one person. The other person is the LGBTQ person who uh, perhaps grew up in the church, grew up in the faith, made a profession of faith, God's always been a part of their life, or was at one time, and then they questioned it, and maybe they're trying to find a pathway back to wonder, where am I in this story? So I really think about uh, those two persons when I think about um, kind of the audiences for this church, uh, or for this book, rather. And uh, I also think that the book uh, may have a future purpose, uh, and I'm not a futurist, uh, but, uh, but I do believe that in, as I look uh, 5, 10, 15 years from now, um, you know, certainly I can look back and think how much life has changed over the last 5, 10 years. So when I look forward, uh, I think uh, progressive people, uh, so, you know, if someone's listening to this podcast and you would define yourself as a progressive Christian, uh, you're going to need the traditional resources of our faith. You're going to need the Trinity. You're going to need the divinity of Jesus, the scriptures, uh, the creeds, the spiritual practices, mm -hmm. uh, sort resources for reconciliation and forgiveness and, and new life. Um, and then if you are a uh, traditional Christian person, maybe you have a traditional or somewhat conservative approach to this topic, uh, I would just say that I find that as I have conversations with younger people, and certainly there's no stereotype of younger people, but that younger generations uh, increasingly see this differently. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, this book, I believe in 10 years, may seem like a very normal book mm -hmm. uh, for Christians to read who want to have relationships yeah. with people who are struggling with uh, questions about gender identity and, uh, and sexual orientation and, and, again, children, grandchildren. I just hope that it can be helpful to people. I love that. And it's something I've always admired, I think, about the Methodist movement is that there is space for you to have a differing opinion on something, that there's there's space for someone who might be more traditional, there's space for someone who might be more progressive in their views, and I think that that ability to continue learning together is really what kind of makes kind of being in community beautiful. Um, so does that at all kind of tie into the uh, the title, like embracing the wideness, like when you, you selected that title, like why did you select it, what does that mean to you? Uh, I use the term generous orthodoxy in the book, uh, and uh, I love that word generous orthodoxy. First, I love the word orthodoxy because I do believe uh, the scriptures. I do believe the creeds. Uh, I do trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus and the virgin birth and the gifts of the Spirit and miracles. and. Uh, I just believe in a higher power. I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. All that to me is orthodoxy. Yeah. But it needs to be a generous kind of orthodoxy. And, and I also know that uh, there are people who have found themselves in relation to people who believe the right things, but sometimes feel like they're on the outside of that. And that can be a very cold 
difficult place. Uh, and so orthodoxy to me is something that's about the grace of God that, that, that welcomes us in. You know, uh, Paul says, by grace we've been saved through faith. This is the gift of God not the result of our works so that we don't, we don't boast about it in Ephesians. Uh, and so that, that phrase, generous orthodoxy, reminds me of the wideness of God's mm. mercy. The parables of Jesus continually are about the wideness of God's mercy. Our best hymns, our best praise music, you know, they are always about how God just uh, wants to save us, yeah. wants to bring us into a relationship right. with him. Uh, and to be a part of the body, and and uh, and then and God does does God's work with us there. That's good. So orthodoxy isn't just everybody thinking the same thing. It's it's more than that. It's your action. It's the way you feel about things. It is your mind and engaging it. But is that what I hear you saying that it's not just all of us thinking the same way? Absolutely. And you know, Paul says in First Corinthians thirteen. Uh, now I know in part, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't see through that glass right. from a perfectly clear perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but at some point when I'm in God's presence, I'll know I'll know God face to face, and so there's a humility about that. And mm-hmm. and I do believe as we as we are closer to God, uh, which is which is the journey toward holiness. Uh, it requires a humility of us. And I believe on the subject of human sexuality um, that there's some mystery to that mm-hmm. and and that God is the, the, the judge of that. And uh, we want to live lives that are grace-filled and holy, uh, and yet we, um, we are able to set our opinion sometimes aside and allow God to do that work. That's great. So I'm excited about reading the book. Um, if people who are listening right now want to purchase the book, get the book, where can they go to, to get it? Well, you can order the book on uh, Amazon. It's uh, Embracing the Wideness. Uh, my name is Ken Carter or Cokesbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's available, of course, on, uh, in digital form and in the book form. Uh, and would love for people to read it. And uh, hopefully it's a blessing to people who read it and they find that it helps them uh, in, in this journey. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing with us about the book. We look forward to reading it. And for all of you listening, uh, God bless you and have an awesome day. Thank you. Thank you.